when is when is the start of spring? Uh, is that a late March thing or is that like an April? Yeah, thing? it's a it's a late March thing here in Nova Scotia. We've just experienced what they refer to as false spring. Uh, the, uh, fool's spring, I think you've yes, also called it before. Fool's spring, where we had a beautiful sunny weekend. Um, enough that I was wearing a light jacket mm. outside. Uh, and the um, fool in question with this fool spring will was me, because once the week uh, hit, the work week, uh, it's just been miserable weather ever since. Like yesterday, it was snowing, and then the snow turned to rain. And you quickly remember that, as beautiful as our province of Nova Scotia is, I would actually venture uh, to say that its worst season, Nova Scotia is at its worst in spring. Because uh, you get like a day or two of nice weather and then the rest is just gloomy, cloudy with really dirty, hard, frozen uh, snow drifts on the side of every road and unwalkable sidewalk, basically. Yeah, um, it's a real so, it's yeah, a real it, rebuilding season because once we get back to the, <laughs> around the end of spring, beginning of summer, then we really start to get well, then it starts to just get warmer. But there's a lot oh more gosh. there's a lot more sun, a lot more blue skies. It is it is quite novel at this point to be like like I also went out to and like unbuttoned my jacket and was just like oh this is nice but it's not we're not quite there yet so there's still uh usually a couple of surprises that the season has for us before it's all over well before we uh before we get into the episode proper i think we have to address how wrong we were about tinseltown's <laughs> biggest night um mm. no no not a single oscar for tar or the fablemans uh but no. everyone's favorite uh, everywhere Every what is that movie called? Everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> Thank you, Will. I saw a pretty good tweet where the guy was like, uh, "Eo, what what kind of movie is this? Is it on Old McDonald's Farm?" <laughs> Um, uh, but yeah, I actually haven't seen that movie yet because I'm a hater. No, just kidding. Well, <laughs> kind of not kidding. Uh, I just haven't gotten around to it. But I, I I'll, I'll watch. I like uh, Michelle Yeoh. I I you know there's a pretty good Michelle Yeoh. Um, retrospective on the Criterion channel right now. You can watch her in um, uh, Police Story 3, Super Cop, and movies like that, and I like those movies. So I'm, I, you know, I kind of alluded to it on our last episode when we were talking about the Oscars before they happened. Um, I'm, like, fairly agnostic to it. I would say I liked it. I think it's impossible for that movie to live up to the hype that it's gotten now. It's very mm. likely that a victim of its own success. Very well, kind of. I think that there are definitely people out there who will are predestined to like it as with any other movie, surely. But I kind of thought I was going to be one of those people and I'm a little bit cooler on it. I think it's I like it. I don't think it doesn't deserve any of the awards or anything like that, but certainly I was put out because a lot of my picks did not did not pan out. In fact, Lucas, uh, of my family, I didn't I didn't win my work Oscar pool, and I got the least points of my family. Um, again, I think I just overthought it, and I didn't realize. So, th the number one problem I have is that I just don't see a lot of the movies that they nominate, ah. which I, I think really screws me over every year. So when somebody, some uh, speaking of tweet, I saw one that kind of laid out what Tar is about because I haven't seen Tar. I was going by the fact that like. I don't know. I was trying to use like uh, the previous five years of ceremonies and trying to like game the system, but it's you know. And correct me if I'm wrong here. I'm to understand that Tar is about like a uh, like an an individual who has achieved a high level of success in a field and then has to face consequences. And then I and so 
by that tweet's logic, it was like, yeah, no wonder nobody picked it for best picture because <laughs> because that's not what they're all about in Hollywood. So they went with they went the way that I figured they could, but I didn't personally bank on, which is that yeah. everything everywhere all at once swept a bunch of awards. I was really like, so I think the I think Tar was an unforced error. I think I made like bad judgment there with stuff like <laughs> it's because you were listening to me about the movies <laughs> I actually like, which is not necessarily you know what lines up with what the Academy tends to vote for. Yeah, and the other thing is that like in a bunch of the technical awards, like I lost out because. I thought that Elvis was going to take a bunch of them. Like I got swept up in the Elvis hype, and then it turned oh, out it, it got... another another great movie. By the way, um, in, in retrospect, after Elvis didn't win any of those awards, I was like, you know what? That Elvis movie, I hate all those biopics. Like mm-hmm. I hated, hated, hated that Queen movie, and I, I that Elton John movie <laughs> seems terrible. And like I usually hate movies like that. That Elvis movie's great. It's it's stupid. And it's like um, over the top, and uh, Tom Hanks is doing the craziest accent you've ever heard. He's like, "Oh, Mr. Elvis, you need to wear the Christmas sweater. It'll be very nice for all the children." Um, but all that, uh, all that, those parts equal just a really great sum. Fun time at the movies that Elvis movie was. Um, I would like to see it at some point, and it's funny that you say that. Like while we were watching the Oscars, I was we were my wife and I were watching. Um, the Eyes of Tammy Faye on Disney Plus, which was uh, what Jessica Chastain won the Oscar for last year, and that even though that's not a music biopic, there's still a couple of moments in that movie that goes into like Walk Hard territory, which is like if you've if you've never seen uh, Walk Hard, the 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 story of Dewey Cox, hilarious movie, one of my favorite comedies. If you watch that, it will ruin biopics for you, especially music biopics, and like. There's a couple of moments in The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which is not really a musical movie. There's a couple of songs in it, but it's not really about a musician. That's like basically a scene from Walk Hard, which was came out in 2008. And a lot of these like run of the mill biopics still fall into a lot of these traps, which is just like it's they're me- you're meant to take something seriously. And it's just like, well, actually, they did that in the comedy movie and it was funny there. So they've kind of ruined that. So I appreciate a biopic kind of going the other way and just being like ridiculous and not realistic. That's what's uh, interested. That's what interests me about Elvis. And I would like to see it. I just kind of thought that like it would win. It would get a bunch of technical awards, but not get anything in like the quote unquote serious categories. But I was totally wrong. I even threw, I would, I thought the, I thought Fableman's was going to get way more awards than it did. I threw it a bone with like best score. And I'm like, that's that's what I think it'll win, but it, I could see myself being shut out. No, it got zero. So, good night for everything everywhere. Um, good night for all quiet on the Western Front, which yeah, uh, okay. That's another one. Again, I have such a hater mentality. Will I really got to put this in check? Because every movie, you know, I love my movies. I love movies. Period. Every movie has the possibility to be good. I try not to have too many preconceived notions. But everybody talking about like people in my real life have been like, "Oh, did you see that All Quiet of the Western Foot movie?" And I was like, "I guarantee you, it's not as good as the one from the th- the uh, the '50s." Right. I was like, "I or or the '30s? What is that first movie from? Whatever I'm the old sure. ones from." I'm like, "That one's probably better." By the way, well, I just I just love 
you know, I, I love classic cinema. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm like, this new one's on Netflix, you know? So that's my hater mentality. You know, I was thinking about this, like everything everywhere. Um, I'm glad everyone's having their fun. I'm glad a movie with Kung Fu fighting is winning an Oscar. You know, I love my yeah. Kung Fu fighting. But, um, you know, you got to understand, this might sound weird to people because we talk about baby shows on our baby show podcast, but kind of outside <laughs> of talking about Arthur, the, the kind of stuff I like to watch in my personal time, like I have tickets to see this movie called uh, Pacifiction this this weekend. Oh, yeah, I saw you tweeting uh, about that. Yeah, it's like a three-hour art film about like a French diplomat and apparently it's like notoriously boring and I'm going to go see it by myself in a room full of old people. So you have to understand that's more my speed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Something that's like a hyperkinetic Rick and Morty adjacent kind of thrill ride. (laughs) Not really my cup of tea. So uh, that's where where my hater dump comes from. I'm sure it's a great movie and I'm glad you guys are all having a good time. I think it's I think it's worth a watch. I also like take it from me. Like it, I would not call refer to it as Rick and Morty adjacent. I think that that's oh, okay. I, I I trust your opinion. No, so no, I I don't think so. That I think that's I think that's its online fandom kind of inflating it, and it it's a si- it's a sizable fandom. A lot of people really love that movie. I just think it. I I liked it. I thought it was pre- like pretty good, but I wouldn't go farther than that. Didn't really uh, affect me as much as other movies have. And like I was saying after it was done, and I tweeted this. Um, now I, now I know what it's like to be the people in 2003, I think it was 2004, maybe who didn't really care for return of the King. And it's just like, Mm. I, like I was living that year, dude. I was like, return of the King. It's everything. It's the best. And I, and like, I love the Lord of the Rings movies, but those people out there and it's a little bit different because Return of the King hilariously was not even nominated in any of the acting categories, which is just like, okay, fine. Like I, I can understand that, but it did absolutely sweep that year. And I bet if you were not a fan of the whole Lord of the Rings thing, that probably irritated the crap out of you. So now I see it from the other Mm -hmm. side and everything everywhere winning doesn't irritate me, but it's just like, I'm not in the in group. So it's just like, I'm just on the outside of the This is an interesting thought experiment because I pulled up the 2004 Oscars and, you know, this is back when it's different now because they nominate 10 movies instead of five. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this was a great, like I said, like we said last pod, great year of 10 movies, like 10 great movies. Um, of these five, I feel like the one that has stood the test of time the most is probably Return of the King, looking at this list of five movies, even though people do say that they were, like, awarding the whole series that Oscar, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but... I'll tell you what, um, do what's another really good movie on this list is Master and Commander, The Fire Side of the World, Will. <laughs> Woo! What a picture. Mwah! What a good movie that is. That's that's another um, that's another one I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to check out at some point. I've seen oh, it's aged like fine wine, Will. You think it's like oh early two thousands, I bet the CGI doesn't look good, blah 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 blah. No 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 Will. That movie is like edge of your seat, uh, a raucous good time. But if you're a fan, like I imagine if you're like a real cinema head in 2004 and you're seeing Peter Jackson get best director over the guy who directed City of God, that's got to stick in your craw a little bit. I've heard, haven't seen it, but I've heard no end of good things about it. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, I mean, it's the Oscars. In the end, I always tell myself I'm not going to watch and I don't care, but I always do. And I always do care a little bit. This time I was at least, I had a financial incentive to care. And so now um, the method I'm going with next time is... And I saw, again, another thing from Twitter is that a lot of times with these categories, it's not the best of its category. 
it's the most of its category. So not True. so not best costumes, most costumes. Not best screenwriting, most screenwriting. And I think yeah, that might have best acting, most most acting. acting exactly. So I think that would have served me well this year. And also, uh, you have to kind of see you have to kind of see what's hot. And so like I picked Kihui Kwan and uh, Brendan Fraser. And they both won because that's the story. Like they're like they're hot right now, so they know what to capitalize on. So didn't do so well, but there'll there'll be another one next year, and uh, we'll try again. Welcome to the El- movies. Yeah, welcome to Elwood City Limits, uh, the episodic Arthur podcast. My name is Will Young. Uh, Lucas Mancini here. Can you tell that we both uh, uh, either took film in uh, in university or um, just are all about le, le cinema? That's right. I'm a movie maniac, Will. It's true. Uh, more, so, I think more so than me. You have you have a much more uh, refined and diverse palette than than even I get around to these days. So, uh, it's a game recognized game situation. Um, thank you very much for joining us. We don't have any emails this week or any correspondence. If you'd like to send some, uh, elvacitylimits at gmail.com. So uh, let me get right into uh, just the quick quick plugs for our Patreon, patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. At the end of the month, we're going to be doing another episode of ECL Origins. This one, well, well I'll, I'll mention what it's going to be about uh, later on this month, but we also have a new episode for patrons of For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast talking about Xavier Riddle and the Secret Museum. That goes up there with over 50 episodes of For the Kids, as well as our other episodes of ECL Origins and all the other bonus audio and video content that is available there. And it is pay what you want. And people who have paid what they want include our lovely patrons like my close personal friend, John Dulong, Ross Ward, Kevin Noon, Christine Lascody, uh, Robert Morrison, Baby Show Addict, Alex K. Speaking of baby shows, Ricardo A. Soto and Richard Mortimer, Wolf, uh, sorry, well, Wolf, Lover Zodiac, but uh, Ash. We also have Cecil Robinson and Alonso Espinoza. And we have Cyril De La Rosa and Matt Osborne, among many others, over at patreon.com. Slash Elwood City Limits. Like I said last week, I think this is one that people have been waiting for us to talk about, and it's certainly an interesting uh, title to start off with, which is the last tough customer. And Lucas, we're not, we're not that I ever thought that we were, but we just the the Arthur lore continues to deepen with this cold mm-hmm. open. Mm-hmm. The the stories that we can still tell. It's like, and it kind of it took me on the ride. I didn't know where we were going with this until. You know, the final couple of uh, seconds of this cold open because it's all about these two young bullies who are teasing a little girl in a sandbox for having, um, they call her Muffin Head because her hair, she's got this red hair that is uh, piled very high. And so they make fun of her hair, they destroy her sandcastle, they're just, you know, they're bullies being mean. And then uh, to describe the look of one of these bullies, this isn't for you, Will, yeah. this is for the audience at mm-hmm. home. Uh, the bully with the toque looks exactly like guys who are way into the band Title Fight. <laughs> You've brought up Title Fight a couple of times uh, over the years, <laughs> so I, I'll take your word for it. Um, yeah, so these these bullies end up kind of toughening this little girl, uh, and she takes her hair down, and it's Molly. This is the lore behind why Molly wears her hair like that. Uh, so when she lets down her hair, it goes over her eyes, and we see, like, this is just Molly when she was probably like four or five years old. And that was the day that she decided that 
uh, she was going to be a bully someday, or at least that was kind of the inciting incident of what really hardened her heart. And it's quite the it's quite the detail in the Molly backstory that I never thought we'd get. And it only makes sense, though. I mean, the whole theme of this episode is that bullying causes a cycle of bullying, correct? Yes. You, know, you bully someone, and they, in turn, lash out against someone else. So, yeah, it's it's tough customer, despite it being called the last tough customer, which is kind of funny. It's like the last samurai or something. <laughs> uh, it, it's, in a way, tough customer origins, because um, we get this context of, of why Molly decides to take things out on everyone else. But the reason it's the last tough customer is we kind of get this segment of the tough customers have lost their bite, which is really interesting because... It's a level of realism around the tough customers that we haven't yet seen. The tough customers are always threatening violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about this a lot with there's some early episodes where Binky's kind of bully status is is often challenged because everybody realizes that he's relatively harmless at the end of the day yeah. and he's all talk. This has now happened and spread to the rest of the tough customers because they go around trying to bully the various kids and nobody really cares anymore because they know nothing's ever going to come of it. Right. And as as Binky himself says, the school is too bully proofed. Um, they, they know that uh, as a phrase that my friend likes to use paper tiger. So there's uh, you know, they show the claws, but there's nothing behind them. It's also really weird to see like from an audience perspective, it is weird to see Binky every time that they put him with the t- tough customers and we have to pretend that he's still a bully of just like he's not like a main cast member uh, that we've seen practically every side of. Um, yeah. And and we see the the ways in which the tough customers are not effective anymore. Um, one of them uh, calls Arthur four eyes to which Buster says four eyes. That was old in first grade, which didn't stop them from making fun using that word to make fun of Arthur in third grade. So <laughs> why didn't you say that in episode one, Buster? Uh, Again, the kids have learned. The kids are, are, are so numb to this bullying. Uh, <laughs> and the tough customers are really caught off guard. I think one of them responds with, okay, well then what about big glasses, molasses, kid? And like that's so ridiculous and obviously thought up on the spot that it just washes over Buster and Arthur's head. They don't care anymore. So they have a little meeting at Brain's Mom's ice cream shop. This, the, By the way, the tough customers are Binky, Molly, Rattles, and Slink. Slink, by the way, a uh, quick reminder that it's uh, his, he's voiced by Michael Yarmish, the original voice of Arthur, just uh, obviously aged up a little bit. So they're having ice cream, and Binky decides that they're not going to bully anymore. They need to change their image. And Rattles understands this because... And this is this is this is a good pair of episodes for learning about Rattles. We learned that his dad is in marketing, so they need to <laughs> uh, rework their image. Uh, he also uh, says that he really likes the soya milk frozen yogurt, the Froyo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Rattles is a confirmed soy boy. It seems <laughs> not only his dad in marketing, but I, you can't see me right now, Will. But I'm I'm pointing behind me with my mouth agape. Right, <laughs> most of them agree with Binky. Molly's a little bit like she doesn't want to stop bullying, but she goes along with it for right now. The tough customers, uh, they initially try rebranding to being the buff customers, uh, where they are the strongest kids in the playground, but they can't quite pull it off. So then, then they consult Muffy as an image consultant, and she is contracted to help change their image. Literally contracted. She's getting like 75% of of whatever they bring in which they fight initially, but uh, don't have much to say about. 
and they're rebranded as MCTC, uh, which is Muffy Crosswire's Tough Customers. Um, so this whole this whole piece here is done a little bit in montage, where for whatever reason, I'm sure because the writers thought it was funny, um, the Tough Customers are dressed up as the Beatles in the Sgt. Pepper era. Yeah, really bizarre, and also even more bizarre, during this uh, photo shoot segment, if you pause at a certain point, um, the Ontario Provincial Police logo is on uh, Binky's arm. Really? Um, there's a couple times, let me see if I can find the exact timestamp, but if you look at Binky's shoulder, uh, you see the OPP badge, and I kept th- I kept thinking that they were going to like bring it up in reference to the name of the band or something, but no, it's just like a weird... Canada Easter egg, I guess. Very huh. strange. I, I totally missed that. Um, I do also want to bring up really quickly, as I said, Molly is the one who's not so into this. Everybody else kind of goes with the flow. She has a, this this withering insult to George because earlier on, um, George actually wants to be hit with a water balloon because it's very hot outside. And um, Molly says to him, why don't you run along and read a book? Oh, that's right. You can't read. And it's like... Not since Damn. not since the days of Cuts Ar- not since the days of Arthur saying, "Can you get your enormous watermelon looking head out of my face?" That's one of the most <laughs> withering Arthur insults we've heard. I think essentially, Muffy is marketing scare quotes the tough customers as like a like a like a band, almost like a boy band. Uh, they're not all boys. Um, so the MCTC perform outside of Brain's mom's ice cream shop. They perform this little song and about how they're not bullies anymore. And they're just going to be nice from here on. And they, they they even say like they're like model preteens or something like that. And we also, again, <laughs> building the Rattles lore here along with Molly. Rattles has the best singing voice of all of them. He's like proper operatic. Oh, yeah. This sequence is hilarious because I thought they were going to do a parody of Sgt. Pepper era Beatles. But it sounds more like the Beach Boys or something. Mm-hmm. But it's even it's even a little bit more show tunes and jazz handy than that. Like they they uh, go to great lengths to make them all uh, appear as weenies, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're right, though, that that rattle steals the show. Me and you uh, have been longtime rattles heads. Oh, so. yeah. It's been a minute since we've checked in with basically any of the tough customers besides Binky, period. Uh, but this has been a some great Rattles content uh, after such a long drought. Rattles is a deep well, and I think we've been waiting for uh, them to kind of go deeper uh, with him. And we definitely get that in this episode. So Molly, again, Molly hates this. She doesn't even want, like, the money that they get, which is, you know, sense, essentially. And she just, she wants to go back to essentially bullying and she and she even says like she wants to go back to the original tough customers because she wants respect and that is why she th- that's the underlying motivation for why she's part of them in the first place is that she wants respect and you can kind of go back to the cold open and see that's where it all came from however so as as we've known by this point Molly is the older sister of James, who is frequently in a lot of the DW stories lately. So she and James go home. When they're on the way home, they stop at a playground so that James can use a water fountain, and he, like, pushes a little girl out of the way and acts like a bully to her. And this is where Molly realizes that, as you said, she is perpetuating the cycle. And when she asks James why he did that, James says, because you did it. And it's it's a children's show, so we're, it's quite obvious, but it is a 
good message to impart. It's mirroring Molly's own experience with bullying. You see this little girl go up to the same part of the playground that Molly um, hid hid by and like cried when she was little and kind of internalized that experience. So she asks James to apologize to the little girl and then to model that behavior because he's like, well, you don't apologize. Are you going to apologize to everybody you've bullied? And Molly does. She We see this montage where she sends kind of a a form letter to um, a lot of the main cast and apologizes to everybody that she's bullied in the past. And we get the line where in the letter she says, I don't just want to be respected. I want to be liked too. So this seems to be a really like not we're not just learning a lot about Molly, but this is a big shift in the way that probably she's going to be used from here on. I imagine. Well, I wonder, right? That's always the big question. Um, some of these big change episodes, mm. um, they've stuck. Remember we thought that DW might say goodbye to Nadine? Yeah, that's true. Uh, oh, that's some, true. Some of them, and then some of them don't stick because the kids have to stay in third grade forever. So <laughs> it's always interesting. Is this going to be a toady? Is this going to be a Nadine? Or is this actually going to kind of stay? Uh, this change is going to remain. And I kind of doubt it because we leave with the tough customers becoming tough customers of a different ilk. The, t- the tough consumers. The tough consumers, that's right. They uh, are kind of like the Better Business Bureau. <laughs> like uh, They're enforcing uh, honest business practices, uh, and we see this in practice, no pun intended, um, with them uh, rightfully hala- harassing the manager of the local chicken licking uh, for not paying their employees well enough. Well, so, I mean, it, it is funny to see, like, the little leftists come out of nowhere. But it's not the manager. It's just, like, somebody who's getting chicken licking, I think. And Ma- oh, no. <laughs> this, is, this is at the episode ends where it's, like, they've sanded off their edges. They're now the tough consumers. So Molly, like, there's a guy coming out of chicken licking, and Molly alerts him to how that store underpays its employees. And then she starts going into, like, the fat content of the chicken of just, like, okay. So we went from, like, like leftist talking about unfair capitalistic practices into like now we're going into like veganism and it's just like uh, like all right it's they're kids they, they, they don't know they don't know nuance yet their brain hasn't developed so yeah stop I, harassing me while i'm trying to get my delicious chicken licking thank you very much i know it's it's not a good tactic but you have to learn that at some point you have to make mistakes in order to get there so it seems they're on the right track but like you said i'm not certain this is really going to stick but I would like to be surprised. We'll see. And now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. This one is a lot of the kids, um, they do in this third grade class, they do these poems about bullying. And so they all do presentations where they like pass the notebook to each other and they finish the poem. Lucas, there's a couple of lines in here that go pretty hard for, uh, for kids poetry. So I wanted to read you a couple. Um, yeah, they, they dare I say they spitting. So there was one that I just thought was funny where one of them just says bullying is not pleasant. I'm like, yeah, that's true. There's one near the end where there's a line that goes something along the lines of bullying looks like the end of the world. Everything good is gone. And it's like li- lines that go hard. <laughs> and there is the, my favorite one was somewhere in the middle of the segment. Where you have this little kid, third, you know, third grade, he's probably like eight, eight around that. And he says, and I'll try to affect his speech here. Bullying is a chain that goes on. To break the chain, you need to let it fall off. 
And it was like the fact that he said it in that voice and said that like that actually really meaningful statement on what bullying is. It's a chain and you need to let the chain fall off. It's like that's almost a Fleetwood Mac song. (laughs) Mm-mm. It's they keep making uh, uh, references to colors. They're like, bo- bullying makes me feel white, empty, nothingness. Mm. And then another person's talking about how bullying makes them feel black and purple. I wonder if that was a prompt from the teacher. Uh, oh yeah, because it's uh, it's oddly specific. Or maybe you know th- we just have some little poets here, and these kids are very um, self-reflective and insightful about how bullying makes them feel. It's uh, who's who's to say, and uh, maybe perhaps a maybe maybe a producer behind the camera coaxed it out of them. But either way, it was just funny to see uh, some of these kids, uh, th- these these little MFs spitting. It was uh, it was something else. Hi everybody, it's Lucas, your favorite co-host from Elwood City Limits. Um, I want to remind you folks that if you like listening to the podcast, first and foremost, the best way to spread the love is to tell a friend who is interested in Arthur or podcasts or animation or hearing about Nova Scotia for some reason. But there's some other things you could do as well. For instance, you can follow us on social media. Twitter is at ECL Podcast. The Instagram is at Elwood City Limits. My pet project, the Twitch channel, which we do live streams on sometimes, twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits Pod. And we also have a Facebook and Tumblr as well. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits. That's where Will has been diligently uploading all of the episodes if they're not on your podcast listening service of choice. If they aren't on one of those services, let us know. You can reach out to us on social media or via email at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Finally, the Patreon is where you can find all of our paywall content, patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. This gives you access to the Discord, where we have a bustling community, as well as some exclusive videos, audio bonuses, such as commentary for the various Arthur movies and more, as well as some of our additional podcasts for the kids, is where me and Will uh, cover all the PBS shows that aren't Arthur, as well as ECL Origins, where we really talk about any show from our childhood that we want. Uh, And most importantly, you get early access to every episode of ECL. You get to flex on your friends that you're getting it a week early. You can join for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And now, back to the show. And now, back to Arthur! Thankfully, I think, um, Brain's Chess Mess is not as brain-focused as I was afraid it would be. And we've talked about in the past how we're not huge brain fans. But, uh, so I went into this with a little bit of trepidation, but as we find out, it's a bit more of an ensemble episode. And it has to do, sort of, with the cold open, which is hidden talents that you may not think fit with the people who have these hidden talents. For example, and we keep adding to the lore here, Arthur's really good at ping pong, table tennis. Didn't know that. 
again, the lore keeps getting added. And it's funny, this whole brain thing, you make act- that actually makes me think of the point you were making earlier. Most Arthur characters, the more we learn about them, the more we peel back the layers, the more we're endeared toward them because they, they feel more like real people. Yeah. And that was happening with Brain for a little bit. I always go back to this just because I guess personally I think it's pretty cool. But remember when he was way into jazz records and the blues? <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, Brain isn't some Point Dexter nerd know-it-all after all. He, he likes the blues. Um, but I feel like the more we've seen of Brain, the worse he's gotten because um, they really just kind of lean on him to be Sheldon Cooper, um, for lack of a better analogy. But yeah. you're right. Yeah. He's, he's not so much like that this time. And we start with this cold open with, yeah, everybody, uh, again, Molly, in a way, is is telling different people uh, things we might not know about them. And some of the other characters are showing off their hidden traits as well. Um, Arthur brings up here that Binky is a skilled dancer, which we did know. Uh, Molly's apparently very good at giving advice, in which she gives a couple of characters advice, including Pal. She tells Pal to, Pal to stop chasing cars in a very zen in a very zen manner. And the cold open ends with DW uh, showing Arthur her hidden talent, which is being nice. Ho 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 ho. And it, her being nice actually freaks Arthur out. We are talking about, obviously, chess in this episode. Uh, Brain is, um, he, needs to, he needs to get his reps in with chess. He, we see him losing a chess match to this other girl around his age, who we don't get her, na- her real name, but the name she goes by in this chess competition is Los Dedos, which means the fingers, because ah. she has these long fingernails that she taps, that she drums, and it uh, apparently is like a psych-out technique when she's playing chess. And she's very in Brain's face. She beats him in chess, and then she's like, you know, I thought I thought you were I thought you were better than this, but I guess, you know, you're just a loser sort of thing. So Brain needs to be able to practice, and he makes it, he starts a chess club at school. However, when he enlists kids to join chess club, a lot of them either don't really like playing the game by the rules or don't even really know how to play. Um, Lucas, what has your experience been with the game of chess? Well, it's funny because poor Brain was uh, born in the wrong generation. Uh, had he been around for the advent of chess.com and its popularity, mm. he would have no shortage of opponents. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I actually, it's funny, I joined Chess Club when I was a little kid, because when I was a little kid, I thought being a nerd was cool, and I really wanted to be a nerd. Okay. Uh, and so I tried to do all the stereotypical nerd stuff, um, but I was too, my attention span was too short to stick with it. So I went to, like, one Chess Club thing, and I, like, forfeited all my games because I got bored. Um, right. But these days, I, uh, listen, I'm not going to say I, I am good at chess, I have not actually used chess.com, but I have a nice little wood chess set that I break out every once in a while amongst friends. Uh, and when playing people who are the same skill level as I, which is to say uh, not much, um, I have a ton of fun. I love uh, playing chess. I, I, I wish I was a little bit better at it. I don't know any kind of maneuvers, you know, whatever people are talking about different gambits or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know a lot about like chess theory or about what you're supposed to do per se, but in terms of, you know, thinking through through and being a reactive uh, uh, Z-level chess player, uh, <laughs> I have a lot of fun with it when I do when I do play. So this sounds like you and me should probably play it sometime because I'm also not very good at chess. I'm just so I also joined a chess club. I think it was grade eight where I was like I was just beginning to play chess. I wanted to get a little better at it and just found out I'm 
terrible. And also, I, I also do find it kind of boring. With long-term strategic games like that, I'm really not very good at them. I'm not, I'm not just not good at strategy games, really. Um, I did have chess on my Windows 98 as part of the uh, robust game suite that that level of Windows had, and I played it a bunch on the computer, and I have internalized the rules, so I know how to play it. But like you, Lucas, I'm not really very good at it, so I don't have a lot of opportunity to play. Maybe that's something, if we ever do like a an in-person stream again, we should we should play a game of chess, or like even if we do another stream, that would be dope. We should that we should find so a way dope. we should find a way to play online so that we can show everybody when we play. Yeah, we, we could do that via chess.com. That's a great idea, Will. Okay, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> uh, the next ECL Twitch stream, me and Will are gonna play chess, a real battle of the minds. <laughs> I can't wait. That's we'll, great. We'll determine who is the best chess master. So yeah, uh, we see um, it's like Binky Brain Fern. Uh, sorry, Binky Buster. Uh, Fern and George and you know Fern and George don't really play to win they just kind of play to be nice and Binky and Buster barely understand what's going on so Brain isn't really able to get his reps in he, he plays against Mrs. McGrady but she has to go and make lunch and as he strolls by we find out that Rattles actually knows quite a bit about chess in fact he's something of a prodigy but he just doesn't really have any interest in joining the club uh, we see him play against Brain, and there's this undercurrent through some of the Rattles' appearances, especially after the first couple of seasons, where it's like, he's kind of secretly a genius, and he has all these, it's kind of like sometimes when you see uh, Jimbo in the early, in the earlier seasons of The Simpsons, like, he's got this innate sensitivity and intelligence that is, is usually brought up for humor, but it's, you know, as we've seen, He's a really good singer. Um, he has a fairly good vocabulary for his age. And as we see here, he's able to beat the brain in chess quite handily. Like he he can even he can even visualize it. Like as Brain tries to make his move, he's like, that's mate in three. That's mate in four. And he's just kind of a savant in a lot of areas. Uh, which is interesting. I, I really like that we're kind of again using more of rattles as a character brain is desperate to learn more from somebody like rattles who is uh, a lot better at him but again rattles isn't really interested um there's this scene where brain is literally chasing after him and like trying to bribe him where he's like i'll give you free ice cream uh from my mom's ice cream store for a month and rattles is like no nah, that'll it's like uh, dairy makes me gassy or my favorite one was i'll do your homework for you and deprive me of my education <laughs> that was just great like I, I just I'm so glad yeah. that this that this ends up as much being a focus episode for him as it does for brain a secret rattles episode it, it's it's as if someone heard our prayers will and <laughs> I could not think of a better present of like ah oh, gosh we gotta watch this brain episode and it's no it's secretly a rattles episode for those ECL boys so what happens is that Los Dedos uh, comes back to taunt Brain, and Brain ends up challenging her for, like, the junior college championship, it's something like that, on behalf of Rattles. So Rattles t ends up taking on the challenge, and he also takes the opportunity to whip the chess club into shape. He literally, like, has them, you know, he's got the, the pointer, and it's almost like a drill sergeant thing. So he instills in Fern and George the desire to win, not just to cooperate. Uh, with Binky and Buster, he gives up on them entirely, so he employs them as distractions for if he gets distracted during the chess game, he'll be able to play through it. And so him and Brain get in a bunch of reps, a bunch of games together. He also 
We don't really get a lot about this book itself, but he's using Blatsky's book of classic games for chess strategy, and so he's saying the brain needs to learn from it. Eventually, uh, we get to the final showdown, but Brain has to sub in for Rattles against Los Dedos because <laughs> he goes to Rattles' house and Rattles is feeling a little under the weather because, and this is the quote here, my parents had guests over and there was a lot of cheese. I can't resist a good Pont Levesque. Again, he's like secretly cultured, even though he's he's got the leather jacket and the jeans and the backwards cap. It's like he knows regional cheeses. Yeah, the Rattles is – someone needs to make a Rattles beeb. You know the beeb where it's like the kind of caricature of like an ugly nerd and he's like looking at the drive guy and he's going, it's literally me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's me with Rattles. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's my goal is to have a kind of punk fashion ex- exterior but to be this kind of cultured savant on the inside, which could be – I'm probably the inverse in a way. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a really I I like that I like that trope in animation, fiction, whatever. I just think the like tough exterior, soft interior, and whatever kind of variations you have on that. With with Rattles, it isn't so much that he's sensitive; it's more that he's just has a greater intelligence and uh, a focus on like the refined arts. That is is the difference here. But I always like that. I just think it's really fun, and you can do a lot of fun things with it. So Rattles would enjoy pacification. Pacific Pacification? Pacific dude, dude, I don't know. It's your movie. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> so Brain has to sub in for Rattles and he wins. So they he has been practicing a lot with Rattles and it turns out that the practice sessions have been paying off and Rattles also encourages him at one point to not stick to Blatsky's book of classic games if he like does a move that works sort of thing. So, and we see rattles sneak in to watch the final match because he wasn't really that sick. It was an opportunity for for brain to let go of the training wheels and to actually strike out on his own. And it works. Um, Los Dedos refers to brain as cerebro grande, which uh, means uh, big brain in Spanish. And the episode ends with brain and rattles, going off together and brain is trying to get him to come around to the like what like what is what will it take for him like i'll do anything to get you to come to the chess club more it's like uh so uh rattles like snacks sure pretzels yeah sure actually they make my mouth dry uh i'd rather there be raisins but only yellow raisins to which i was like there are yellow raisins I mean, there's green grapes, but you're right. I've never considered the existence of yellow raisins before. I can't remember. Well, I feel like we've talked about this. Do you hate raisins? Are you one of those people? I am a raisins hater. I do not like okay, raisins okay. at all. Okay, I'm glad I remembered this about you. All right, well, before we'll before you make me stream. before you make me chocolate chip cookies with raisins in them, how about you don't? Like, okay, okay. So, so, Will, if you lose the game of chess, oh no, you got to eat a raisin on camera. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Uh, and if I lose the game of chess, we'll we'll have to think of some sort of punishment. Okay. Well, for I'll me. have to think of something because you did. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll think of something. Um, if people at home, um, if you could help, will I'm sure I've I've listed my grievances or things I don't like doing <laughs> all the time on this podcast. So go back into the archives and find it, a suitable equivalent mm-hmm, punishment for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, patrons, if you're listening to this early, or if no matter when you're listening to this, before our next stream when we play chess, 
try and think of, and you can think of ones for both of us. Like if you can, yeah. like maybe it's like Will has to eat a raisin while watching an episode of Bluey where they talk about losing a <laughs> child or something. <laughs> Whatever, uh, or like Luke, I, I, like I, I wouldn't say Lucas has to watch everything everywhere all at once. That's that's kind of yeah. disproportionate. That's pretty do- bad though. If oh gosh, if I have to watch like that new Ant Man movie, I would probably <laughs> rather bang my head against a wall. So that's a pretty bad punishment. Not to give the <laughs> listeners any ideas, I'd be trying pretty hard to win that chess game. Let's let's say it's something that we would have to be able to do on stream after mm-hmm. one of us wins. <laughs> so like I can eat a raisin on stream, no problem. Yeah. And with Lucas, it, there's not a lot that Lucas won't eat, apparently, as we've learned over the years. So uh, I w- we welcome suggestions, elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com or in the Discord if you're a patron. Yes, and, and I just wrote down that yellow raisins thing because Rattles is apparently a picky eater. He has a sophisticated, he sophisticated palate. Uh, so that's, again, another thing we learn about him. So a surprising amount of Rattles content in this uh, Arthur episode across these two stories. So the last tough customer... As I said uh, last time, I think there have been a lot of people who've been waiting for us to check this one out. Um, Lucas, how did this strike you? I loved this episode. Hmm. Um, I, I, As this season continues, I'm feeling better and better about the Flash era. Because hmm. if the writing stays this strong, and they keep surprising us. That's what I like about this episode is it felt new, different. It felt like the Arthur world got bigger. But it also felt like it got bigger in a way that made sense. Like, with Bud's arrival, it felt like they were just adding stuff for the sake of adding stuff. And it made the world feel bigger but less cohesive. It felt like people who weren't writing the show at the beginning were adding things later on. This actually feels very true to Molly's character. Uh, I think it, it rings true for the fact that, you know, we've talked about this, that the tough customers have been around so much and they've never actually beaten anyone up ever it makes the Arthur characters feel like they're getting older and smarter, that they've had that realization as well, and that they just don't care anymore. Um, So I thought this was everything it needed to be, and that really surprised me. And so it has me feeling very positive about the rest of the the Flash era. I, I definitely see this being near the top of my best of season 16 list. Yeah, I really liked it too. I think I fall just a little bit short of loving it. Um, I feel like th- I feel like a lot of things happened in it, and the overall point of it felt a little bit less focused. But really, I think it was very strong, and it it it, it gave me something that I think we've st- we still would like to see more of, and that's focus on the tough customers and Molly especially. Molly, I think we just think is a character who's really cool, and now we could say is a really like well-fleshed-out character for this show as well. Um, I was really impressed with the way that it used flashback. Like It felt like a way in which the show doesn't usually do these sorts of things, and in a good way. I thought that that was really, really cool way to explain how bullying affected Molly in a way that, like, you know... With the Word From Us Kids segment, it's very much like, bullying is bad, don't bully. And it's just like, well, okay. like It's the kind of messaging that can only be so effective. But this gives you an idea of, like, now granted, this isn't over a lifetime, but we are able to use an older character to illustrate this is, these are the effects of bullying in a way that I think everybody can pick up on, but is also, a little, like, it's it doesn't super duper hit you over the face with it and the the kind of packaging around it of like the the tough customers trying to rebrand is fun like i think that you can do a lot of more carefree stories with them 
or not carefree. That's not the word I'm looking for. But you can do a lot more out there stories with them because they're not regulars. So you're not necessarily, except for Binky, but like with somebody like, like Rattles and Slink and Molly to a degree, it's just like you can kind of have a bit more fun with them because they're not going to be here every week. And but in in doing so, we also find out a little bit more about them. And r- even though Rattles is kind of meant to be a, a little bit more of a shallow comedic character, it's still fun to add these little d- deep parts to him that are still meant to, to be laughed at, but is appreciated all the same. So yeah, I think this I think this is really good and uh, v- a very um, strong in both the way that Arthur normally is, and also going a little bit outside the box in how Arthur normally tells a story. I was also surprised, I wouldn't say that this is on the same level, but I liked Brain's Chess Mess as well, and didn't really expect to say that. Um, again, I think a lot of that is helped by the focus on Rattles, who is a who is an underrated character on the show, and like underrated in terms of like, I think who we would say are our favorite characters, but we both... We, we love when Rattles shows up, like we're, we're smiling and laughing like he's a funny character. And this was this was used in a really interesting way. So it was made to offset brain again, kind of putting brain on the back foot a little bit where it's just like he's not a know it all. He needs somebody else's help. And that helps to make him a little bit more endearing. And it gave me good memories of like playing chess in school and around and, and re- around the age where I discovered exactly what chess was, which would have been around Brain's age, Brain and Rattles' age. So, yeah, I, I there wasn't a whole lot to talk about in it. It's pretty straightforward, but I liked it. I, 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 I thought this was a pretty easy watch. Yeah, I, I think I'm a little colder on it than you. Uh, I agree that I'm here for more Rattles content. I hope we see more from Rattles. And I think chess is as good of a um, kind of plot device as any. It's We've had quite a few episodes that are like a character uh, gets a new hobby and learns how to be better at it in a competitive sense and is trained by another character. So I did kind of check out a little bit as Rattles was training the brain because it felt a little samey. Um, but that's really nitpicking. It's a perfectly serviceable, entertaining episode. Um, and I think it uh, is kind of the cherry on top uh, to the seminal episode that the last Tough Customer is. Yeah, and it, it it does it does feel a little bit less. It, yeah, it, it's I, I I don't think that innately it's able to stand up to what the last tough customer is, but that's okay. It's it's a bit more of a fun frivolous episode, and I don't say frivolous in a bad way. It's just yeah, it's more meant to be uh, enjoyed and then not necessarily looked deeper into, unless unless we're reaching back for more rattles lore, which I'm always, I'm always interested in. Like I said, very lore heavy episode of Arthur and happy to have covered it. Uh, and I'm, and I hope that, uh, y'all out there enjoyed listening as well. Thank you very much for joining us for this episode. Uh, of course, patrons can expect. So, um, at the end of the month, we're going to have our new episode on ECL origins. I keep teasing it and I'm, I'm going to keep doing so. And there's not much more to say other than really excited to find out more about sticking around in our ECL Origins format, which is a little bit more off the cuff. Like if you haven't listened to the preview of ECL Origins that we have on the free feed, it's pretty much us going through our memories of a show. We do I do a little bit of background research, but not a whole lot. And then we find out if it's really as good as we remember it. And yeah, I, I, I don't want to lay out my cards too much here, but I will just say that I'm really excited to see what you think of sticking around these days, Lucas, and also to kind of, to also bring a little bit more attention to it. I think that a lot of our listeners would really enjoy this show. And if you listen to us talk about it in the podcast in a couple weeks, 
uh, I hope that you can join us in, uh, in enjoying it. It's true. It's been one that we've been talking about for years and years mm-hmm. if you've been listening to ECL. So stay tuned to hear our sticking around thoughts. And on the next episode of ECL, we will be talking about baseball blues and brain's biggest blunder. A lot of bees going on in that one. So we'll have to see again. World Baseball Classic, Will, is going on right now. Uh, I don't expect you to know anything about that. No. no. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's it's the only, it's, it's, it's really, really weird. Wait, World Baseball Classic teams. We have a little extra time today, so I can bring this up. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's one of the only times you could see, like... Like, here's the countries that are competing in the World Baseball Classic, okay? It's a real strange mishmash. Okay. Uh, let's see. What's today's uh, 2023? Okay. We have Australia, Canada. Oh, did you not? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm reacting to something else. Uh, okay. Please, please. Uh, <laughs> you, I was you, like, wow, you really, you really are blown away by the World Baseball Classic. No, I'm sorry. You're like, wow, China and Chinese Taipei versus Italy and Japan. Who would have thunk it? No, Israel I'm, for real. No, I'll. Uh, you know what, uh, Lucas, you you go ahead you and, I'll, and I'll talk in. about you it. You gotta after. leave this in. <laughs> no, I am. I am. So anyway, go, anyway, go uh, the World Baseball Classic. Listen, if you care about nothing else except for the outfits. Um, all of the country jerseys for the World Baseball Classic are drip. Well, to some are drip. The, the the Great Britain one is hideous. But uh, my goodness, is the Korea outfit uh, so sick? And of course, you know I'm rooting for uh, my my uh, team Italia uh, to mm. win the World Baseball Classic, even though it's highly unlikely. Uh, of course, when you're facing off against the Colombians and the Puerto Ricans, who are uh, baseball the Dominicans, baseball phenoms. Anyway, Will, what is what is the news, the shocking news? So this won't be news by the time even our patrons hear it, but this literally came across as I had Twitter open. So, Lucas, you and I are wrestling fans. We're we're. Oh no, no, I I, I saw this. I was as I, before while you were talking about uh, <laughs> the episodes next week. I was pulling this up. That's right, Forbidden Door in Toronto, uh, and I am I am not liquid right now. I do oh, not have the scratch to I'm, go. So I'm going to be in Toronto two months. Like I'm going to Toronto next month to go see Impact Wrestling, which I'm excited for. But it's just like. If I had just, if I'd waited, then I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go to Toronto to see Forbidden Door, dude. So it's like, I'm not disappointed to go to Impact, but I'm also like, oh, oh, man. And like, especially like, that's going to be my trip this year, essentially. And it's just like, oh, so close. So I'm going to have to tell my friends about it. Maybe they'll be able to go in my stead. So sorry. (laughs) I kind of reacted there. So, um... World Baseball Classic. <laughs> <laughs> World Baseball Classic, Japanese wrestling, um, all things that have nothing to do with Arthur, which we'll be returning to next week. And I'm excited to talk about that, sticking around, all this great stuff with you, Will, uh, in the coming week. Me too. All right, thanks again for joining us for this episode of Elwood City Limits. I'm Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini. And customers, check, please. <laughs> You're right, there is a literal check, please, in this one. Well done. We'll see you next time. The pudding is free. Go get your own. There's a lot of good ones this week. All right, bye, everybody.